Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for January 6, 2008. And we ended by, t- we're going to segue now into this five steps for peace. Um, and this Neil Donald Walsh guy, the guy that wrote Conversations with God, says that he has five steps for peace. And if you take them, you can shift everything on our planet. Okay, and what they're meaning is this is the way out. This is the way we're going to, you know, uh, bring in essentially the new age and world hunger and poverty, all these other things. Uh, Let's see. The new revolutions also contain a five-step plan for peace in the world. We call it the five steps to peace, which started, of course, the first reformation. Our intention is to stimulate the second great reformation of the world religion. Notice they say, of the world religion. So this is going to be one religion. And that is our intention, our goal, and our purpose. We intend to, in fact, inspire the second great reformation of world religion. It is now time to call for action. Uh, and that was a uh, quote by with an interview of this Neil Donald Walsh guy, the guy that wrote Conversations with God. The new spirituality, this is another quote, the new, the new spirituality is a global movement to create the space for humanity to experience its natural impulse towards the divine in a way which makes no one else wrong for the way in which they are doing it. And again, these are a little bit convoluted, some of these quotes here. So in other words, whatever way you're trying to attain um, your impulse toward the divine... It doesn't matter if it's Hinduism, Buddhism. Everyone's right. Everyone's going in the right direction. And what a lie. Because the Bible says it's absolutely opposite of this. It says, narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. Broad is the way which, which leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go thereat. Okay, so this is, everything we've talked about today here is diametrically opposed to the Word of God. Now, this five-point peace plan, they don't really elaborate on it here, but there's another guy that's integrally tied in with this whole movement named Rick Warren that has a five-point peace plan. Now, Rick Warren says the global peace plan is the new reformation. Isn't that what we were just talking about, the new reformation? We're going, this is the second reformation we're going into? It's the same thing. They're all moving toward the same goal and agenda. They're all working in lockstep. Arm in arm, hand in hand, to get this done. However, Robert Schuller said in his self-esteem gospel, his self-esteem gospel is the new reformation. He even wrote a book, well, but that's no different than what they were just saying, because that gospel that we were hearing with conversations with God, that particular God, this small g God, was telling them that, you know, there's really no difference between me and you, you know, we're just, we, we need each other, we're, we're, we're gods, these types of things. So, um, Robert Schuller even wrote a book about it 25 years before Rick Warren's plan. Well, what does Rick Warren mean by this five-point global peace plan? Um, Warren Smith points out, now Warren Smith is the guy that wrote the book that we had talked about earlier that's exposing all of this. Warren Smith writes that the problems weren't new, but this peace plan methodology of confronting these giants would be a revolution. Um, in Rick Warren's plan of this planned peace, and it's P-E-A-C-E, I think each letter stands for one of part of the plan, it's an acronym for planting churches, equipping leaders, assisting the poor, 
caring for the sick, and educating the next generation. The five giants he refers to, which he plans to obliterate, are spiritual emptiness, egocentric leadership, extreme poverty, pandemic diseases, and illiteracy and, and education. Well, now, for the most part, if you were just looking on that from a cursory view, you would say, okay, well, that, that sounds okay. Um, the problem is, is he's not going to be trying to do it biblically. And again, Rick Warren is very much into dominionism, where they believe that they're going to bring in the kingdom through the Christian's own actions. There's really going to be no tribulation. We're going to make it so good here that Jesus is just going to come back and evidently forego, forego the tribulation. Okay, so that's how Rick Warren and Joel's army and all these guys are planning to do this. So this is a quote. And again, another thing I should point out. This thing, this thing he wants to eliminate, spiritual emptiness, egocentric leadership, extreme poverty, pandemic diseases, illiteracy, education, you know, redistributing wealth, that's the same thing Lord Matrey said on his website. Probably the leading candidate for Antichrist, or one of the main guys that are going to help the whole situation out. They're all saying the exact same thing. Isn't that what a lot of times the UN says, too? Yet they say these things, and, and yet in their heart is death. They're, in their heart is evil. They're telling you what you want to hear, but it's not truth. So, uh, this is a quote here. It says, Even in the villages where you cannot find a clinic, a store, a school, or a post office, you can often find a church. The peace plan, this Rick Warren's peace plan, will address these five giant problems by planting new churches, equipping leaders, assisting the poor, caring for the sick, educating the next generation. And now I believe that I know why God is blessing this book, The Purpose Driven Life, in such an unusual way. God's not blessing it. He's not blessing it. The Bible says that, that that which is highly esteemed among man is an abomination in the sight of God. Everybody loves... I mean, people that are unsaved can read that book and not get offended. Well, that which is highly esteemed among, among man is an abomination in the sight of God. If he, was, if he was really preaching real truth in there, people would be getting offended. It wouldn't be on the New York bestseller list. So, he goes on this quote to say, It is more than just a message that God wants to get out to everyone, which is huge. I now see that God is using this phenomenon to expand the platform for us to mobilize thousands of local churches for the global world missions through the peace plan. See, what's going to happen is, and I've said this before, but the 501c3 church institution, if you're part of that institution, you're already yoked up with Rick Warren. Even if you're an independent fundamental Baptist, you're yoked up to, th up to him through your 501c3 corporate status. Because the government considers the pastor the CEO of the church and the board of directors the deacons. Through these five, do you realize you're yoked up with the first church of Satan too? Because they have their own 501c3 status. I don't know if you knew that. Tax exempt status. You're yoked up through all these religions that have went to Caesar and said, Oh, we want your we want your 501c3 tax exempt status. We want to be a corporation. We want to be under you, Mr. Government, even though the Bible does tell us to be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what communion hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and Christ with Belial. Oh, even though the Bible says that we want to be yoked up with you. Well, that's essentially what's happening here. And now, see, you've got this whole network of 501c3 churches that are linked up, even though they may not be totally aware of it, just through that status. And ultimately, they're either going to have to come out of that, or they're going to meld, it, meld themselves with the one great, one world church whore. Which most likely will be under the banner of the Roman Catholic Church, because it's the, most, it's the one that's poised and most set up to do such a thing. 
and what it'll be is an amalgamation of all these different religions into into uh, the one world religion. Now, from a Christian biblical perspective, global evangelism has always been a mission of the true church. However, this must be qualified. The church is led by elders who then equip the saints. In addition, the biblical reference to the poor and the sick refer first and foremost to the saints of the household of God, and then to our enemies. In promoting this plan, Warren is redefining the mission of the church. His idea is that we are to wipe out all world problems and so that um, and make a world a better place to live before Christ returns. Which the Bible says it's not going to be that way. It says evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. And the strong delusion. And, and the Bible saying something opposite of what Rick Warren's saying is going to happen. And in his billion man army reminds me of another two, another two other army movements in the name of Jesus. The army of Joel, Joel's army, and the manifest sons of God. These are two more of the radical Pentecostal uh, armies that are being formed for the same dominionist person purpose. So you've got Rick Warren with all his followers, and then you've got the radical Pentecostals, and I was I was, when I came out of Pentecostalism, I'm very familiar with this this Joel's Army uh, C. Peter Wagner uh, those types of guys that are really into this and then the Manifest Sons of God now what happens too is when you participate in these type of things you start thinking that you're better than everyone else well hey, I'm part of Joel's Army I'm better than you I speak in tongues. I'm hearing direct revelation from God. Therefore, I'm better than you. And you don't even know what God's will is because he speaks to me personally. You have to use your Bible. That's how they think. Guaranteed. Um, and so, it's a, it's a spirit of pride that welds up and that pride then blinds them to truth. So, these Joel army and the manifest sons of God promote the false teaching in which they think the Lord has given them a mandate to take over the earth for Jesus so that he can return. That's what dominionism is, okay, in a nutshell. Okay. You pretty much have to throw the whole book of Revelation out the window, but hey, you know, anything goes with them. So, the, the P in this peace plan for church planning can still be found in Rick Warren's website describing his global peace plan. He changed the acronym to have P now stand for participation. In his keynote speech at the Religious Newswire Convention on September 29th, uh, where Warren states he's getting... 400,000 churches to participate in this plan. So now, is this a little trivial matter that we're talking about here today? 400,000 churches worldwide to participate in this plan? Uh, I don't think so. Now, Acts 20, 28-31 says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purposed with his own purchased which with his own blood. For I know this that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to to draw disciples after them. Notice they're trying to draw disciples after themselves, not God, but after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one Night and day with tears. Well, that sounds like it was probably one of his chief agendas. And the chief thing that um, that they were worrying about here. Okay? Remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn every one of you day and night with tears? Well, that sounds like a pretty big priority. And yet today, oh, anything goes, whatever. You know, we don't want to judge, you know. Judge not lest you be judged. But that's uh, that's the delusion 
part of the strong delusion that we're in right now. So, with that, I'm going to read a few more verses here. Psalm 94, verse 16 uh, and 20. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee? So, again, um, this is a call to Christians, you know, to, to rise up against the evildoers, to, to stand up against the workers of iniquity, which is what we're doing today. And I don't mean take clubs out and go beat them or whatever. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, exposing the unfruitful works of darkness, to have no fellowship with them, you know, to mark them, these types of things. Matthew 7.15 says, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. This is exactly what we're dealing with here today. Um, wolves in sheep's clothing. Titus 1.15b-16 Unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and their consciences are defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. Isn't that what we're talking about today? I mean, even even this these guys that wrote conversations with God and uh, Course in Miracles, they profess they know God, but in works they obviously deny Him. You know, look at the work of their hands. By their fruits you shall know them. Well, the fruit is rotten. So, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. 2 Corinthians 11... 13 through 15, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Again, they're transforming themselves into apostles, what look to be apostles of Christ. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed into ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. 2 Peter 2, 17-19 says, these, this is very appropriate for these uh, devils, these are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from those who live in air. While they promise them liberty, isn't that what we're talking about today? Isn't that the whole crux of everything that we're talking about today? They promise the ultimate liberty. You're going to be God. In fact, you're equal with God. There is no such thing as sin. There is no such thing as the old rugged cross. Jesus was just like you. You can be Christed too. You know, that's promising them liberty. That's the most extreme example of promising them liberty. So while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. This is another reason you don't, you don't want to follow man. Because if, if you're, uh, whatever man you're following overcomes you through great swelling words of vanity, or through whatever means that, that he might use then you're going to be brought into bondage by that same man, by the spirits that emanate and operate through that man. Jeremiah 5, 26-31 says, For among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait as he that setteth snares. They set a trap, they catch men. That's what we're talking about. The souls of men. As a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. 
Therefore, they are become great and waxen rich. Oh, well, maybe this is how we can explain somebody like Smiley Joe Holstein or Rick Warren or all these other mega millionaires that have their jets and they fly around everywhere. It says right here that these deceitful, wicked men who catch men, who propagate deceit, that they are become great and waxen rich. But see, they'll use that and say, hey, listen, you know, God's blessing us. And uh, can't you just look around, look at this ministry, how could it not be of God? When And again, I said this before, but Jesus had no place to even lay his head. You know, the apostles, essentially, all these men, so many martyrs that died, a lot of times died penniless. And yet, we think we're better today, though, than they. So it says, they are waxen fat. Yea, they shine. They shine, yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the cause of the followers, yet they prosper. Again, it says it here again, yet they prosper. So don't use that as a benchmark, just because they're a huge ministry, that God's blessing them. And the right of the needy, do they not judge? Shall I not visit for these things? Well, the Bible says, judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. So, I'm tell you what, I wouldn't want to be in one of these churches when God's judgment falls on it. That's why the Bible says, Wherefore come out from among her, my children, that ye be not partakers of her plagues. It says that in Revelation. You want to come out of this now. If you're, if you're hearing this for the first time, you want to come out of this apostasy. Shall, shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? Isn't this America? Aren't we making a mockery out of God? I mean, the very fact that they would hold this, this blasphemous conference in California with Schuler and all these other apostate reprobates promoting conversations with God and all these other New Age Bibles? God says it right here. You know. Um, shall, I, shall my soul not be avenged on such a nation as this? A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. Well, hold on. Isn't that kind of what we're talking about a little bit here? Aren't these writings and these things that we're reading, like with these conversations of God and the Course in Miracles, these are, in a way, this is a new Bible. This is a new prophecy that's supposedly coming from God. But the prophets prophesy falsely, it says. And the priests bear rule by their means. Not by God's means, but by their own means. And my people love to have it so. He says, my people, my people, love to have it so. The ones that call themselves born-again Christians, love to have it so. For the most part, I hate to say it. Well, just look at the numbers. Do the math. Smiley Joel Olsten, 70-80,000 people in his church on a weekly basis. You've got all these apostate churches across the land and the world preaching a false gospel, a lukewarm gospel. But my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? That was Jeremiah 5, 26-31. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. This is what we're trying to do here today. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I think that's what we're talking about as well. But after their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. See, you can blame it on Rick Warren, and you can blame it on Smiley Joe Olston, but the people that are sitting in the pews are going to be the ones that are accountable before God. Now granted, 
Rick Warren is going to be accountable too. But he didn't, he didn't twist their arm. He's not forcing me to come to his church every week. Smiley Joe's not forcing me to come to his church. Robert Schuler isn't. I have a free will. That's why the Bible says, study to, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 if, if we were studying to show ourselves approved unto God, and being like the Bereans, which were noble, more noble than those in Thessalonica, and searching these things out in the Bible to see if they were so, if we were doing these things, we wouldn't wind up in churches like Robert Schuller or, or, or Joe Olstein or Benny Hinn or whatever. We would know better. So... It says they shall, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Well, I tell you what, this whole conversation with God and everything we've talked about, it's a fable. It's a lie. First Timothy 6, 20 and 21. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings. And oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Colossians 2.8 Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Well, that's exactly what we're talking about today. I mean, Robert Schuller is all about philosophy. The hour of power, you know, hey... If it feels good, you know, we're going to explore it. And uh, He is more of a philosopher than anything else, pretty much. And this philosophy is a false gospel, unfortunately. So the Bible says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men. But the Bible also says that through the tradition of men, you've made the word of God of none effect. That's what we're talking about here. And in Ezekiel 22... 25 says there is conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof like a roaring lion ravening, ravening the prey ravening the prey they have devoured souls so these prophets have devised this conspiracy and like a roaring lion they have devoured souls because see obviously the ultimate goal of all of this via Satan is to see how many people he can get to join him in the lake of fire if we go a thousand years from now, that's going to be all that really matters. Who's in the lake of fire and who's in heaven? Now I understand there's rewards in heaven and things like that. Okay, but ultimately, that's why all this is happening. Satan's going there and he wants to take as many people as he can with him. And, and his fallen angels and demons and all the other guys too. So there's a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. And they have made her, and they have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Okay, so if we go further here. Now, going back to this article, and they know that Robert, um, uh, we, we know that Robert Schuler's always been open to spiritual compromise. Now, this is uh, this one guy that wrote that particular book exposing this whole movement. According to Smith, Schuler has always done a good job of softening up the church through his philosophy. Remember, beware lest they may spoil you through philosophy. He's always done a good job of softening up the church for what he sees as the unbiblical New Age ideas. And that's just what he expects the Rethink Conference is all about. If indeed that's what the conference is all about, some other big names are going along for the ride. They include Christian pollster George Barna. Of course, I don't call any of them Christians. 
Former heavyweight champ George Foreman. Will he be doing a little George Foreman grill thing off to the side, maybe? Making some hamburgers. American Center in Law for Justice founder Jay Sekulow. Gary Smalley, and the Case for Christ author Lee Strobel. Never before have we gathered such dynamic leaders who will challenge us to think outside the box. They should say outside the Bible. Outside the box as we grapple with a changing culture in our response to it, said Schuler. The conference will not only be attended by thousands at the Crystal Cathedral, but it will also be telecast by satellite around the world to church uh, via church communication network, according to the organizers. Uh, this is... Rethink Conference Executive Director Bill Dallas says, These cultures, these culture pioneers know what is center stage in our culture right now. And also what is breaking on the horizon. This conference will confront outdated and preconceived ideas. Like the Bible... That, I mean, everything about this conference screams that the Bible's outdated. Screams it. But, you know, this conference will confront outdated and preconceived ideas, offer new perspectives, and open our minds to all kinds of possibilities that connect us with our shifting culture without compromising our core values. What a lie. Without everything about this is compromise. Or compromise. Um... Smith just wondered about those outdated and preconceived ideas. The church does not need to rethink and compromise its God-given biblical doctrines to accomplish, to accommodate the world, he says. It needs to rethink its willingness to follow leaders like Robert Schuller. And that's definitely a big amen on that. Um, let's go a little bit further here. This is a little bit more on the, this conference here. Conference speaker Lee Strobel's recent book, The Real Jesus, a journalist investigates current attacks on the identity of Christ, purports to expose today's deceptive false Christ, yet in an in-depth discussion of the false New Age Christ is completely missing from his book. Meanwhile, apologist Strobel, a former Saddleback pastor, makes no apologies for aligning himself with the New Age sympathizer Robert Schuller. The emerging church also refuses to take the New Age seriously. Not surprisingly, two of its leaders, which we're going to be talking about here coming up, Erwin McManus and Dan Kimball, agreed to participate in the Schuler's Rethink Conference. The word rethink can be found throughout Kimball's book, The Emerging Church, which was for, uh, forwarded by Rick Warren and Bill McLaren. The word rethink can also be found throughout the other books of the emerging leaders, including McLaren. So what is this Rethink Conference all about? What do Schuler and the forces, and his forces, hope to be accomplished? In defining the word Rethink, Webster states, to think over again with a, with a view to changing. Whereas, and again, in the Bible, the Bible says to seek ye the old past wherein is wisdom. In fact, in his latest books, don't, in his latest book, Don't Throw Away Tomorrow, Living God's Dream in Your Life, Schuler eagerly writes about the virtue of compromise. Or compromise. Sorry. I have a problem with that word. He writes about the virtue of compromise. The virtue of compromise. No, that's not diametrically opposed to the Bible, right? So in this book, that bears New Age leader Gerald Jamposky's endorsement on the back cover. Unbelievable. So he's got this New Age leader, Gerald Jampolsky, endorsing on the back cover 
Schuler's book. Schuler states, we need to learn the healing quality of wise compromise. He further states, perhaps the only way to deal with contradictions is to combine them creatively and produce something new. That's ingenious compromise. Schuler presented the recipe, in that Schuler presented the recipe for the New World Religion. In the book, Don't Throw Away Tomorrow, Living God's Dream for Your Life, Schuler uses the term God's Dream in the subtitle. And within the book, he used the term God's Dream heavily in his 1982 book, Self-Esteem. See, he's really big about self-esteem, Schuler, about, you know, we, we need to, uh, whereas the Bible teaches all these contradictory things, you know, in regard to self. You know, self needs to be crucified. The Bible talks about in Galatians 2.20 being crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I don't live, but Christ lives within me. You know, um, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. Without him we can do nothing. Remember John 15? But yet, guys like Schuler and this emerging New Age religion are going to be teaching people that we are, we are gods, we are equal with God, essentially, and that um, we're going to usher in this grand New Age religion. This is, this is the goal and the agenda of them. But in this book, uh, uh, let's see, the New Reformation, Saddleback, or Saddleback Pastor Rick Warren used the Schuler term, God's Dream, to introduce his widely publicized global peace plan. Okay, so this is the book that Rick Warren used. Okay, Saddleback Pastor Rick Warren used Schuler's term, God's Dream, to introduce his widely publicized global peace plan. And that's what we just read, that five-point peace plan by Rick Warren. And I re I'm reading all of this stuff because it's all so tied together. He described his peace plan as God's dream for you and the world. Brian McLaren, Bruce Wilkerson, Joel Olstein, Erwin McManus, and a host of other Christian leaders also used, also used the Schuler term, God's dream. But why? Although God's dream is a Schuler-esque term with no biblical foundation, it has become part of the vocabulary of the church's new, emerging, purpose-driven mindset. It is interesting that Warren uses Schuler's term, God's dream, to describe his peace plan. To describe his peace plan. Is God's dream suddenly becoming a metaphor for world's peace? Will we be asked to rethink or compromise our faith for the good of the world? Will we be asked to rethink and compromise our faith to attain world peace, if that is God's dream? Is this Schuler-inspired conference ultimately designed to initiate this kind of rethink and compromise process so that we are expected to rethink the Bible? What must we ultimately compromise? The answer lies within the New Age itself. And again, we've, we've kind of went over you know, all of that in totality here today. Now the New Age also has a peace plan and its adherents are also calling for conferences like these. In other words, like this Rethink Conference. They insist that world peace will only occur when Christians abandon their exclusive and divisive relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That That's really the core of this. If you think, what, what is their agenda? What are they trying to accomplish here? What are they trying to rethink? The New Agers and, now Robert Schuller and guys like him, are insisting that world peace will only occur when Christians abandon their exclusive and divisive relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. 
Because it's a very, if you think about it, it's, uh, we can't be yoked up with other religions. We, it just cannot happen. And to preserve the true traditions of Christianity, what the Word of God says. Now they've got this uh, proposal now that we talked about a few teachings ago on Islam, where you've got guys like uh, the guy from Willow Creek Church, uh, Rick Warren, Robert Schuler, and all these other church organizations and ministries are yoking up and basically going to the, to the Islamic religion and saying, hey, listen, we, we both serve the same God, we need to set aside our differences, we need to all come together as one, and be one big happy family. We don't serve the same God. They serve Allah, who is the moon God, who is diametrically opposed to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, this is something that um, you're going to actually be going to these church conferences and they're going to be telling you, you know, listen, we got to set aside our differences. We need to come together in unity. And this is exactly also like Lord Maitreya, the Ascended Masters, and these all these messages that these aliens, supposed aliens, keep sending. And pretty much all religions of the world. Because this is the only way that they're going to be able to attain a one world religion. We're going to have to set aside a lot of differences. In the Greece, for this whole process to happen... The lubrication for this whole process to happen is going to be the line signs and wonders, as the Bible talked about. When you start, we haven't even had the line signs and wonders yet. Now, can you imagine? It's already this bad right now. Can you imagine if there starts to these line signs and wonders start to happen and manifest, and they're on the six o'clock news, and people are going to fall for this hook, line, and sinker? Unless you're grounded on the rock of Christ Jesus, the New Age also has a peace plan. And its adherents are also calling for conferences like these. Um, Neil Donald Walsh, speaking for his New Age God, unequivocally states that the era of the single Savior is over. That's what that's what the uh, Neil Donald Walsh, who's yoked up with Robert Schuller, he says it right here. The era of the single Savior is over. Yet at the same time, Walsh's God suggests that Robert Schuller could be instrumental in providing a bridge from the church to the peace and the oneness of the new spirituality. Well, I'm sure he will be. If the Lord permits it. He's, he's being used mightily of Satan. No doubt about it. I have no qualms about that at all. It is important to note that Walsh is not some obscure New Age leader. He is a best-selling author, highly regarded by his New Age peers, just as Gerald Jampolsky. It was Walsh who wrote the introduction to uh, the book Forgiveness that was so highly recommended by Schuller on the 2004 Hour of Power program with Jampolsky. It's kind of hard to keep all these people together. Just suffice it to say, it's one big apostate mess. In Revelation 2.2, Jesus Christ commends the church of Ephesus for exposing false teachers and driving them out of the church, men like Robert Schuller wouldn't have lasted five minutes in Ephesus. And all these verses that we quoted today, if they were being if they were being implemented by the church, none of these guys would even be in the pulpits. But they're, they're not being implemented. And neither would those who continue to stand alongside Schuller, giving them undeserved influence and credibility. The church does not need to rethink and compromise its God-given biblical doctrines to accommodate the world. So, let's see here. And this is a... Go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, close out this portion of the message, and I'm going to go to... We're going to go ahead and go to part 
three now, and where we'll be talking about Erwin McManus and Robert Schuler.